This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined by Suzanne Middleton. Suzanne is coordinator of the Wild Dunedin Festival. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you. Where are you, Suzanne? Uh, At home in Wakari in Dunedin. So we've been asking people about how their bubble life was, and of course that's now turning into history, people having to remember what that was like. But how was your bubble life? Um... It was great. When you're sort of semi-retired, it's not that much different. I'm a great veggie gardener, so I'm always obsessed with making compost. So I spent a lot of time making compost, walking my dog. Um, Actually, the first lockdown, my daughter had a baby during that time. And so I was pretty involved with them. So, yeah, it was okay. (laughs) Did she have a baby in lockdown? Absolutely. And... um, was just in and out into hospital and then home again a couple of hours later you know what it was like for lots of people if you stayed in then the father couldn't go back and visit etc so yeah it's pretty tight sort of time but no no everything was good and I think she just enjoyed being at home with the baby for weeks with no visitors actually I think all the babies put on a lot more weight apparently just the parents weren't stressed (laughs) out with having to bake and keep the house tidy (laughs) so how long was it until you got to see the baby um, I think it was only a couple of weeks for me because I was in their bubble. So I was walking, they lived down the hill and I was taking dinners down to them and things like that. <laughs> and semi-retired, were you working as well? Um, well, I work at Olverston um, in Dunedin as a casual guide and I also work for Wild Dunedin. And actually for that first lockdown, we had our festival all planned. We'd had a big launch. And then the lockdown came, and so we went online. So we created a lot of content online. We actually have an amazing website. Um, and, yeah, so that happened. Yeah, so I just work kind of casually. What was it like making that decision that it wasn't going to happen? Oh, it was it was tough. And we had the, a theme for 2020. Our theme was rewilding. And so because we couldn't have all those events, it meant we had to have that sort of focus again when we did put it on in 2021. <laughs> it's a little bit frustrating, yeah. Did you you, you put it online? Did you, Does that mean the, the talks and things you could, you could no, do remotely? No, we didn't, we didn't do that then. We just created a lot of content. We're really lucky okay. because we have a lot of contacts with people who are filmmakers, and um, so we just created a lot of content for online, yeah. But then you did hold it last year? Yes, we did, yeah, in April 2021. That was great. It was, so, um, I think people really need things to go out to and to cheer themselves up. 
in April, we were in that period between the lockdowns. We need to have a, a term for that. We decided on the show last week, we need to have a better term for between lockdowns. But it must have been a bit nerve wracking trying to decide if you could actually put it on again. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And then we actually had a mini one in springtime, which was really successful. Yes, yes. And then, of course, for this one now, it's, you know, we haven't even known if we could do it and whether we're going to be masked, not masked, how many people, you know, all those kind of rules and what difference anything would make. It's been really nerve wracking. But so many festivals have been cancelled. So how far, um, yeah. how far out do you start to plan a yearly event like this? Well, now we're starting to plan for next year, um, next April. It's always in the April school holidays. And the thing is, when you run festivals like this, you have to apply for a funding. And so the moment our festival ends, one of the funding funders, the application closes a couple of days after the festival ends. So I'm writing that. And then Jeannie, the director, will be applying for the funding to the other funder a couple of weeks later. So you you sort of live and breathe it, really. <laughs> yeah. So that's a long time out. If you think about this time last year, you had no idea what state the country was going to be in now. Do you just no. have to hope for the best? Yes, and just and be really optimistic. We we made we only made the decision a few weeks ago to go ahead this year. Our trustees made that decision, and it was decided that Jenny and I, who are the sort of key people, that we weren't allowed to see each other for a few weeks. <laughs> So we're like the A team and the B team. <laughs> so um, just in case, and people on our committee have got COVID and, you know, there's, you know what it's like, people just going down everywhere at the moment. So we skipped over talking about what the festival actually is. You can give us Wild Dunedin Festival 101. Okay, so um, it's been going since 2016 and it's called the Wild Dunedin Festival, but it's also called the New Zealand Festival of Nature. So um, a lot of us in Dunedin are very proud of the fact that Dunedin's regarded as New Zealand's wildlife capital. So we have um, New Zealand sea lions that breed around our beaches. We get about 20 pups a year. We have Northern Royal Albatross that nest out on the Targo Peninsula. We have little blue penguins and also yellow-eyed penguins nesting here. We have seals. Um, we really have because we're really close to the deep ocean trenches, we have a lot of creatures that feed out there. So they, therefore they, you know, come and breed on land here. Um, so the festival celebrates that aspect of Dunedin. And we hope that if we can get locals and visitors alike out into nature, that they'll love it like we do, and then hopefully want to protect it for the future. So we have, we're actually like an umbrella over a lot of different organisations. So this year we have a total of over 100 events, which is the biggest ever. And so we provide all the advertising and quite a lot of the um, admin for places like Orokanui Eco Sanctuary, Royal Albatross Centre, Monarch Wildlife Cruises, Otago Museum, etc., to run things. And we pull it all together for a week. And so we don't put on many events ourselves, but we work with them to put on events that people will want to come to, and then we provide loads of publicity for them. That's an amazing amount of energy from people coming from all around the the the, the city, the wider city, to, to come up with 100 events, but also to do that 
during the pandemic and everybody having that same uncertainty. So that's an awful lot of positive that's optimism that it's going to go ahead. It has. We've really had to sort of – I was a horse rider and used, people used to say you have to throw your heart over the jump before you go over it. It sort of feels a bit like that. We've definitely been like that and working with all those people. Who, um, yeah, it's um, it's been – it's been quite nerve-wracking, but this year we've branched out and we usually have a couple of wild dinners at TT, which is a legendary restaurant at St. Clair, where they make amazing meals out of wild, wild gathered food, etc. for us. And we've got other dining events this year. And then this year we've also branched out so that we've got special deals for people if they go to the Resistance Climbing Gym, which is an indoor climbing wall in Dunedin. Special deals for people if they go there during this week special deals on paddle boarding lessons if they go to water cooled sports and also cheap surfing lessons if they go to Esplanade Surf School. So we're kind of branching out and bringing in more organisations and businesses. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have the clean. Anything could happen. Why this one? Oh, well, I just sort of think it's such a wonderfully optimistic song and it's just got that driving guitar. It's Dunedin sound and, you know, it's basically you know, you make your, you can make decisions to about your life. And yeah, I just think it's wonderful. And actually, when I was thinking about it, I looked at this brilliant video clip from it. It's really worth watching. <laughs> um, in the very early days of making videos of songs. Yeah, it's really worth watching.
Are you allowed to have a favourite event from the festival? Oh, that's a really, really good question. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I don't get to them. I don't get to that many events. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one tomorrow night, seven by seven at seven, um, the Otago Museum's going to be up all night, uh, open in the evening, and we always have this opening event, seven by seven, where we get seven passionate experts and they each get seven minutes to talk about their thing. And tomorrow night, this year, our focus is the ocean. So we've got someone talking about surfing with sea lions, someone else talking about octopus, um, someone talking about vaka or waka, making canoes, Pacific Island canoes. Um, that's usually amazing. And then the audience gets to vote of who's the best. And it's usually quite fascinating. Yeah. What's the criteria for inclusion? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I don't think, we don't tend to have people approach us very often, and I don't know if we would really turn anyone down. We we tend to approach people, and this year um, I, go for, I go around Second Beach at St. Clair, which is around behind the saltwater pool, quite often with my dog. It's just the most amazing path between two cliffs, one above you towering and then the pounding surf on the kelp on the beach below you. Um, and I noticed that, you know, they've, they're planting things around there. And so I got in touch with them. And so they're doing a walk um, about their work and rewilding that whole area. And they're also going to have uh, to my Cassidy talking about the Maori history there. So we tend to just see things that are going on and um, ask people to be involved. And so the theme this year, as you told me, it's the sea? It's the, it's the ocean, yeah, the sea. Yeah, and, and basically um, down to the sea, the concept that what you do in the um, in the inlet or the river or the creek or the harbour, that that trickles out into the ocean and has an impact, and we actually have a, a session on that. Um, and we every year we award, uh, we make someone a wild hero. And this year um, it's Brendan Flack from and the East Otago Taiapure, which is a um, an organisation which has set up um, catch limits out in that area around Karatani. And they're doing all sorts of amazing things out there and planting and cleaning up rivers and streams and such like. So yes, that's our, we're focusing on that because I don't think a lot of people realise what you pull down the gutter in your street or um, cigarette butts or you know, what you do on the river actually has an effect on the ocean. So 7 by 7, which is on 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 Friday night, because we're recording this on Thursday night, so don't think it's on tomorrow and turn up on Saturday. Saturday that would be sad, because the museum would be closed at, at yeah. that point. <laughs> and there's there's a um, the sculptures, and sculpture yeah, well, at... at tom tomorrow, head? tomorrow um, we've got this thing, which is actually another first for us this year, where we've got a couple, Martin Hill and Philippa Jones, who live up near Wanaka, and um, they make sculptures which dissolve back into nature. So the idea is um, a circular economy and not, not exploiting nature, but just being aware that everything returns to nature and rots away. They do a lot of work with ice and snow. And tomorrow we've got a group of helpers, and we've marked out a big area down at the low tide at Lawyer's Head, which is at the end of St Kilda Beach. 
and there's a huge amount of kelp down there at the moment. I think we've had some really big tides and rough seas that have ripped it all off the rocks. And these helpers are going to make this huge circle in the sand out of kelp and driftwood and whatever else they can find using all their creativity. And we're going to actually live stream it and we're going to um, have a drone filming it, etc. And it's ephemeral, so it will basically, as the tide comes in, it will be washed away. Um, and that's the first time we've done that. It's going to be very exciting. And then uh, on Saturday afternoon, they're going to be giving a talk at the museum about their work. And they've done something called the Fine Line Project and just published a book where they've made sculptures of this nature all around the world, trying to draw people's attention to environmental issues. Yeah, so it's, I think that's something we'd like to do more of in the future. If you, if you know the artist Andy Goldsworthy, that English artist who makes things out of autumn leaves, etc. You know, it's that same kind of idea. And you, you said what the the bigger picture is, but let's just let's recap on on that. What are you trying to achieve? Uh, well, we want to get people out into nature and appreciate the natural world. And I think a lot of people in Dunedin don't actually realize that you can go out on the peninsula and see a seal or a penguin or a sea lion. Um, just don't realize how special. I mean, those of us who really adore Dunedin, that's one of the reasons we live here, isn't it? But for a lot of people, they haven't really tuned into that. And so many of those creatures are endangered and really, really at risk. And so we want to raise people's awareness. But if people don't even know about these things, they're not going to want to do something to protect them. So we're all real environmentalists, but we're also people who who just love nature. And it's an engaging in a positive and, and fun way. Absolutely, yeah. So, for example, um, over this weekend, kids go free at Orokanui Eco Sanctuary. So, um, you know, people can go out there and, and discover, you know, what an amazing place it is, see Takahe chicks, etc. Um, yes, so we... And we do it in all different ways. So we have, we've got some fantastic art activities at the library tomorrow where Olga's getting kids to make octopuses and all sorts of things with craft materials. And yeah, just trying to tap kids, tap people into all of those things. Now, if Mawera was here, if she wasn't sick at home with COVID and discovering that it's definitely not just a cold, she would ask a question which I shall attempt to put into a Moira question. I think that she would ask you something along the lines of, we know we're really good at engaging the, the little kids in this stuff. How do, we, how do we keep people engaged? How do we get people to stay engaged through their sort of teens and, and perhaps their early 20s when they're busy you know, building up their own resources that they don't tend to look at this sort of stuff. How could we overcome that? I think that's a really, really good question. It's definitely something that we think about. And I think um, for the people in their 20s, which is probably slightly easier, we've got um, Charlie Buchan, who does our social media, um, and he's really, really good on that. So we have a lot of followers on social media. Um, so we do it in that way. Um, things like having up late at the museum, you get different people who will go to that than the people who would just go at other times. Um, I think also expanding into like the resistance climbing gym. Um, 
you know, getting people into into those kind of things, then they pick up a wild Dunedin program. I think, you know, that that's something that we're trying to do. Um, the Town Belt Kaitiaki is a really good group in Dunedin of school kids who live around the Town Belt, which is a forest that goes through the middle of town. We have done things with them in the past. Um, yes, we've got, I think people who are at university, I've got about a dozen volunteers who are going to be at a lot of our events helping out. And most of them are university students who've done ecology or zoology or something like that. But I guess they're the converted, aren't they? <laughs> Preaching to the converted there. One of the dangers of going out and looking at nature in a, in a national park or in a, a sanctuary is that we can get the idea that nature's all right because I went and looked at it and it was it was behind the fence and it was doing okay and we lose that kind of connection to between the the nature that's that's around us we are the environment and you're talking about lots of things like that the down to the sea the how we are connected are you trying to build up that that connection that that nature is is us nature is around us yes yes definitely and we and we also try and focus people on things that they don't even think about. Like, for example, seaweed. We've got a workshop on seaweed where Azumi is going to be talking about edible seaweeds. And, yeah, so looking at all the peripetus, you know, that strange little creature that lives in dark, shady logs and things, showing people things that they don't even think about, um, what's in the soil, that kind of thing. Yes, and we also have a growing focus on gardens. So the last few years we've had tours of the George Street Orchard. I don't know if you've been there, but it's along near George Street School on the other side of the road. And it's this amazing urban garden that a guy called Rory has where he just grows the most incredible berries, fruit, vegetables, herbs, you know, tons of kiwi fruit and feijoas. And and so that that booked out straight away. So, we, you know, encouraging people that they can grow things in their backyard, etc. Um, but yes, I think also um, I used to be a guide at the Albatross Centre with the Albatross and the Blue Penguins. And I think when people watch a lot of nature documentaries, they think you can get really close to things and they don't realise that when you actually go and see an Albatross, you're a long way away from it. And why should you be able to go right up and pat it, you know? And people want to go and pull a little penguin chick out of its burrow. Um, yeah, people don't realise that whole thing of respect. So that's one of the things that we push and that we have in our program is because a lot of us, when we walk our dogs on the beaches, you know, we come across sea lions and you don't even know it's a sea lion half the time. You think it's a rock and then it moves and it's actually a big, huge male sea lion. And so educating people about keeping your distance and actually tomorrow at the beach, we've got Doc coming along and talking to people about dogs on beaches when we're down making the sculpture. So, yes, just educating people about all those things. Yeah. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nga mihi aroha nui, kia koutou, ko I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars, and your beloved universes, and I really hope, wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining, 
and allowing you to recognize and enjoy the beauty of who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique, and here making things better. Thank you. Now I know that for all of us, the last more than two years have been a great time of learning and change. We've moved through several thresholds in this time into brand new territory. And though our soul is choreographing this journey for us all, there has been so much that has come as an unexpected awakening and arrival for our consensus reality and our consciousness. I myself have had so many ups and downs in this time, as I know we all have, and being part of this show has helped me immeasurably. So I want to say a huge thank you to Sam and the whole Blowing Bubbles team and to all of you for having me. It's a great joy and a great pleasure and privilege to share this time with you. Thank you. So, of course, a very exciting day in my role at Orokanui Eco Sanctuary, my heart's home. Here we were today in the Meridian Mall, creating a mini forest and frolicking about with everybody who came to visit us, gazing upon the beauty of very rare and endangered reptiles for the first time, allowed to come with us as an advocacy exercise. So we had a very exquisitely gorgeous Jordico and a very, very magnificent and resplendent Otago skink, both of whom were feared publicly and everybody just loved it. And we had a multitude of native invertebrates who also joined us, stick insects, tunnelweb spiders, sheetweb spiders and cave wetter and many more besides. We also had treasure hunts and all sorts of beautiful native treasures everywhere. So we had a wonderful day. And of course for me, coming into a space that is so highly modified, that is so brightly illuminated and filled with consumer goods is always very exciting. Bringing in a small forest and remembering what would once have been in the space where so many newly created objects are. It's really, really a fascinating exercise. And people love it. People are very attracted to that juxtaposition and that uh, returning to the living world. Loving seeing these living creatures and plants and, and earth and all sorts of things in the middle of a mall. And it's a great pleasure and privilege for me to be able to witness and appreciate these moments of connection and reconnection. Something that I really enjoy, of course, is seeing the confidence of people blossom and grow and bloom. And whereas once upon a time they may have felt quite afraid of spiders or afraid of of things with many legs slowly becoming more comfortable and more aware that just like us all life has a consciousness has a personality and is here to be appreciated and here to be cared for in just the way that we are so many lovely moments today of beautiful people 
connecting with other beautiful people in the forms of humans and invertebrates, humans and lizards, and particularly enjoying those moments of people coming to us in a great rush, feeling under time pressure, and then of course allowing themselves to slow down and be present with the tunnel web spider or the jeweled gecko and recognizing a piece of that one consciousness embodied in this wonderful living form recognizing a part of themselves ourselves as we can when we connect again to our fellow living beings so I really hope for you you're having the opportunity to do this and see in yourself that beautiful vitality and life force I'll look forward to talking to you again soon thanks so much you are listening to blowing bubbles we're talking with Suzanne Middleton Suzanne we've seen lots of changes in society over the last couple of years during this COVID, ongoing COVID experience we're all having. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? Well, it's interesting from a, like a wild Dunedin perspective, and I'm also part of Birds New Zealand. In that first lockdown, which seemed to go on, I can't remember how many weeks it was, but it was a long time and everyone was walking in their neighbourhoods. I always walk in my neighbourhood anyway, because I've got a dog, but just all these people were walking people just noticed birds around them and they and whether there were birds were coming closer because there was no traffic I don't really know I don't know if anyone's measured that but people suddenly became far more aware of birds and wanted to know what the bird was etc you know I'm gobsmacked that people don't even know what a certain birds are the difference between a blackbird or a starling for example but um I would really hope that that would stick and people because they had time they were less pressured they were out in their local parks and things that they would then be more appreciative of nature just a general awareness of place yeah yeah um just having to slow down and um noticing that there were birds in their backyard etc do you think there are any lessons that we can take from the pandemic and our response to the pandemic for the bigger sorts of challenges we face and i'm thinking of things like climate change social justice on a large scale well i i mean it is quite mind-blowing the resources that the government has been able to pull to pay the wage subsidy all of that stuff and you think well why don't they do that about poverty you know why don't they do that about other things climate change for example so i think um that has been quite astounding that 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 has happened and you can see that when something really matters they can do that I think that has been really really positive but I think there's also been a lot of negative anti-science stuff which really disturbs me what do we have to do to get those bigger challenges to be things that really matter yeah, I guess for people, often they only notice, you know, when it really does affect them, don't they? And so it's almost like, I don't know if you follow Mike Joy on Facebook, but, you know, he, he spoke at Wild Dunedin, um, 
I think it was three years ago when we when our theme was fresh water and you know he's been talking about fresh water problems for so long and climate change and it's just worn out from it you know that people just would rather go to the mall and buy a whole lot of stuff and not actually have watch Netflix and eat junk food and not have to think about these things so I think human beings often just have to be forced to post face things and I, I'm afraid that with climate change it it might be like that though I am quite gobsmacked by the number of Nissan Leafs around Dunedin now <laughs> they're everywhere <laughs> do you actively take a sort of a, a science communication approach to the to the festival about making those messages clear um no we we try not to be preachy and we never use the word educational <laughs> um but we are just umbrellaing the likes of what tahu does at um Orokanui, um and the guides do at the albatross center or penguin place or um so we're more giving the people the opportunity to go to those places like uh, we had an amazing event last year last year and last year we had free wild buses where it was sort of like the magic school bus where you could book and you could go on a bus for free and we took two buses to Orokanui for the day and we took a bus out to the Sinclair wetland which is out on the Tyree um and we went out at night and we took three astronomers from the astronomical society with their telescopes and um people went for a walk around the wetland and learned all about the replanting and the you know re-establishing of natives and birds and predator control and all that and then these astronomers these amazing guys showed people the stars and it was a beautiful full moon and it was in the most amazing night and then we cooked everyone up a barbecue and because it's owned by Naitahu um you know Komeni Cassidy talked to people about what they were doing there and everything and it's like yeah you show people these things um and I think it makes a lasting impression on people. People just absolutely loved that trip. And people, you know, went out on the... It, interestingly, it's timed at the same time as you can often see sea lion pups on the peninsula. And so the year before, when the wild bus went out on the peninsula, they went around Hooper's Inlet, and there, there they just stopped on that little kind of causeway thing, and there were all these sea lion pups right beside the road in the, in the inlet, you know. So people who've never probably been on the peninsula before... So it's almost like you show people these things and then hopefully it opens their eyes. We were up at Meraki last weekend and there are certainly lots of pups on that right. peninsula. Very, very cute, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> the seal pups, yeah. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have Patsy Klein. Crazy. Why this one? she's just got such a beautiful beautiful voice and the song was written by Willie Nelson um and I didn't really realize that Willie Nelson was such an amazing songwriter yes I just think it's just just wonderful crazy I'm crazy for feeling so lonely I'm crazy crazy for feeling 
And I'm going to attempt to channel Muera again. What's the role of hope and imagination in a festival like this? Mm. Well, I think imagination, you know, the fact that, you know, having Philippa and Martin come along and, and show people, you know, this ephemeral sculpture made out of nature's materials and then talk about their work, I think hopefully we get some good media coverage with that. I think it's going to be on News Hub, actually. And, you know, just get people, and they've been interviewed on Access Radio, um, just get people thinking in in a different way, you know. Um, and hope, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting one. I suppose we're more kind of about inspiring people. Hope's not a word that I really think about that much. But Inspire. I guess Inspiring is yeah, a good word. You know, I mean, if you, you go along to see, you go along to Blue Penguins Pukekura and see, you know, 50 little blue penguins come in after dark and it's just, it's just magical actually for people. And uh, for those of us who spend quite a lot of time in nature, you just become quite used to it. But you can go out on the Monarch wildlife cruise, you go out past Tyro ahead and I was out there with my granddaughter a couple of years ago and there were Hector's dolphins, including with baby ones, sort of under the bows of the boat. And, you know, they often see whales. Um, it, it's just, yeah, you just inspire people and remind them of, of what's there, I think. Um, and I think also another thing that we're quite big on in Wild Dunedin is uh, the mental health benefits of nature. So there is actually quite a lot of research that shows that, you know, if you spend so many hours a week 
in the forest or you know in your garden or um, out with nature that it has a very very positive impact on people so I think yeah that, that's something we definitely push absolutely I have some questions to end the show with what is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years with World Dunedin anything you like you mean personally? <laughs> you can answer that any way you like. Well, for me, I'm quite obsessed with Waratahs. You know Waratahs, those wonderful black metal things that you hammer into your garden. And um, when I hammer in a, a Waratah to create some new structure to grow something up or whatever, my soil is so amazing that it sinks in so deeply, so quickly that I have to get really long Waratahs. <laughs> 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 because of all the compost that I've made and that I've been piling onto my veggie garden for years yeah <laughs> so I'm pretty happy about that I'm quite I really think if you take care of your own little backyard patch it's um, very satisfying and you're actually doing something for the earth at the same time I have been putting so much seaweed and compost into bits of our garden that it just disappears it turns into clay and mum has decided that what I needed baths that we need to put baths in the garden to lift it above the garden because it's the gum trees are just sucking all the water out and leaving oh, us with clay. Wow. Have you got gum trees right beside your veggie garden? Mm-hmm. Right. We've got a line of them along the side. So I think I'm going to have to succumb and get some old baths and put them out there. Yeah, um, like a growing, and then you put the growing medium in the bath and they're not yeah. affected by the gum trees. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Good idea. We are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? <laughs> I wouldn't claim to have any superpowers. <laughs> well, that's kind. It's kind of the point that 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 nobody has an actual superpower. Although some several people have claimed flying and laser eyes in the answer to that question. But they're really ordinary things. So, so what's what? What is it that you do? What ha if we're going to to bottle how what it is that Suzanne does so that we can get that goodness spread around? What is it? <laughs> I make compost and I bake very, very good shortbread. <laughs> compost and shortbread, yeah. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Um. Yes, but probably not as much as when I was young because I'm of the generation that came up. You know, I think I went on my first demonstration when I was about four with my father because no Maoris, no tour, you know, going to South Africa. I was brought up in a very political household and um, of the generation that demonstrated about Vietnam and um, apartheid in South Africa and Springbok tour and all that, you know, so... Um, Yes, but in a in a in a different way now probably, though I would still go on demonstrations. Yeah. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, my dog. <laughs> <laughs> Once it's breakfast. <laughs> the ODT, surprisingly. <laughs> so when you're at my stage of life you can go and get the ODT, go back to bed with breakfast and read it for an hour. <laughs> And then get so incensed that you have to get up and do stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, it's um it's it's a good stage of life, yeah. 
but so Jenny, what... Jenny, who's the festival director, um, she works a lot more hours than I do, and we're often emailing each other at midnight, and you know, the, our jobs don't have any hours at all. You know, we just live it basically. So, um, yes, that that's how it goes, especially at this time of year. We're constantly back and forth of can you pick this up and drop this off or you know have you sent that email or whatever is it all done at this stage with it about to open yes um it is pretty much and what hasn't been done there's not much you can do about it at this point <laughs> we know what that's like but we have had you know the odd person with COVID or and we've even got a presenter now who may not be able to present and yeah so you just have to go for it at this stage um yeah And do you have any advice for our listeners? Well, if people would like to um, go onto our website, which is www.wilddunedin.nz, not only can they see the program in digital form, but they can also read lots of articles and see films and learn all sorts of things. They can follow us on Facebook. Um, the libraries and museums have our programs and our program is really a thing of beauty with a beautiful map that shows you where everything is um so yes get involved with wild dunedin come along to some of our events um and we're always looking for volunteers and helpers and new people thank you and best of luck for this festival and for organizing next year's festival that starts soon well organizing starts soon yes it does <laughs> <laughs> so Thank you, and best of luck for this festival and for organising next year's festival that starts soon. Well, organising starts soon. Yes, it does. <laughs> Thank you. So we have got lots of choices as to what we're going to use for the outro, because I started looking for the songs with Wild in them, and there's quite a lot. So I'm going to go through a long list, and you can choose. So Lou Reed. I said, hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. All right. Steppenwolf. Rolling Stones. Cat Stephen. Oh, baby, baby, it's a wild world. Morrison. Trogs, wild thing. Yep, wild what thing. What else? <laughs> I've got three generation. left. <laughs> My generation, wild thing. I love you. 
You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Tiger Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Lane, so is Bayton, and I have been joined for our walkery in Dunedin by Suzanne Middleton, who is the coordinator for the Wild Dunedin Festival. You can find out more about Wild Dunedin Festival on www.wilddunedin.nz and Facebook and various other places. That's the Flowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoy the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.